Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. It's Payrolls Friday, so we know you need time to try and make sense of that unnecessarily bewildering report. Good luck with that. All right, let's get started. This week, our three things are, one, Omicron. We've sifted through all the noise and come up with useful perspective to creditors. Two, Nordstrom's big earnings disappointment. What's the read across to the retailing sector? And three, one measure of investor sentiment has swung wildly in the past week. We'll walk you through the equities versus credit story in that address. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Perspectives on Omicron. So, throughout much of the pandemic era, our anchor perspective is the rather unsettling one that risk markets have been priced for perfection in an imperfect world. Assuming this is true, as a steady state, risks are asymmetrically skewed to the downside and there is little room for error or imperfection. Under this framework, then, it naturally follows that news of a new COVID variant should trigger a sell-off to some degree in risk. And we've seen that in both equity and credit markets, although it should be noted that there are plenty of imperfections out there, and we are in the final month of the year, which always adds a bit of technical noise to the picture. Needless to say, there has been a deluge of coverage around Omicron and a whole lot more questions than answers. But here's what we've pulled out as important context. One, what do they know they're not telling us? The reaction of the World Health Organization and policymakers around the world suggests that Omicron is more worrisome than other variants, including Delta. The swiftness and severity of the reactions from officials, from warnings to travel bans, prompts the question, what do they know that they are not telling us? Two, we've learned to live with what we know. The reaction of markets, risk off, risk on, risk off, risk on, suggests more of a long overdue correction conveniently taking place ahead of year-end, than a fundamental downgrade of valuation. To that end, it is worth bearing in mind that the U.S. economy, driven by consumer spending, has performed better through each successive COVID wave. That, no doubt, is underpinning investor confidence evident in a flash poll of nearly 1,600 market participants conducted by Deutsche Bank, where only 10% felt Omicron would be, quote, the biggest topic with financial markets, unquote, by year-end. Three, the developing world matters. We spoke about this as recently as two weeks ago. It is decidedly a myopic on the part of developed world leaders to focus solely on getting their own populations vaccinated. That means the virus continues to mutate and in turn impact the global economy. This only serves to ensure that the supply chain disruption slash inflation narrative will continue as global trade continues to function in fits and starts. And four, this won't help the labor market repair. With labor participation, what matters most to credit, something else to keep people from joining the labor force is not helpful. And that is likely to push the Fed more in the dovish direction, notwithstanding Powell's recent nods to the hawks out there. Add it all up, and we just don't see Omicron changing our fundamental view that of decelerating growth into 2022, manageable and, yes, temporary inflation, evidence of economic scarring. We will know more, of course, over the next week or two. All right, on to our second thing, Nordstrom's not-so-good week. 
So we talked last week about retailing's string of good news. As backdrop, consider that retail sales in the U.S. have been growing post the GFC at a little over 3% a year. But courtesy of stimulus, retail sales are now at 2026 levels. In other words, sales have eclipsed the spring of 2020 shortfall by six times. That's all courtesy of stimulus. So no surprise, we've seen stronger than expected earnings from the retailing sector, a big pickup in foot traffic, and robust forecasts for the holiday season. Retail stocks were hitting all-time highs with Macy's leading the way. Macy's stock soared 21% on its earnings release last week to a record $37.37, nearly nine times its pandemic low hit in March 2020. Five-year CDS, which hit 776 basis points at its March 2020 wides, reached 185 basis points, about its average pre-pandemic. Then Nordstrom happened. Nordstrom reported its Q3 earnings this week that missed on the bottom line, 39 cents a share versus an estimate of 55 cents. Although the company's top line was in line and it reaffirmed its full year 2021 guidance, shares plunged 29% to its lowest level, X the pandemic, since 2009. Five-year CDS widened 38 basis points to 256 basis points, and both Macy's and Nordstrom CDS have continued to widen in the wake of Omicron. Macy's out another 42 basis points to 227 basis points, and Nordstrom out another 63 to 319. The whipsaw investors suffered as a result of Macy's and Nordstrom's earnings is nothing short of breathtaking. Now, needless to say, there's a lot to unpack here. Secular changes in fashion and retailing. Strategic positioning and execution relative to those changes. And then there are pandemic effects, ranging from supply chain issues to labor availability to managing inventory in the most dramatic bust-to-boom cycle we've ever known. At this stage of the game, Nordstrom admits it has a lot of work to do. CEO Nordstrom acknowledges the company needs to, quote, move faster and more aggressively to better capitalize on its strengths, unquote. He added that the firm is confronting the challenge of adopting a high-touch, urban-focused strategy to multi-format omnichannel, and that has found meaningful opportunities for improvement as a result of a comprehensive study of the factors driving its merchandise margin. These words, carefully chosen, imply an extended timeline to fix these issues. The most immediate problem is centered in its Nordstrom Rack off-price banner, where its product mix is off and its margin is suffering. For companies hitting a rough patch, I think of four stages. Denial, discovery, restructure, and optimize. Nordstrom is clearly in the discovery phase and moving into restructure. The problem is the business is moving quickly and there is no lack of competition driving change. Moreover, its long-term strengths, best-in-class service, and a seamless omni-channel shopping experience have taken a back seat to e-commerce execution. The good news here is a deleveraging impulse that intends to reduce leverage to around two and a half times by the end of 2022 through a combination of debt reduction and earnings improvement. Now, it's the second half of that equation that gives us some pause for concern. The intent is clearly there but creditors often need to be reminded that the best defense is a good offense. And right now, Nordstrom does not have a great offense.
All right, on to our third thing, room for error. In a nutshell, in risk markets, there isn't much. Now, that's rhetorical excess to reiterate a point we made earlier. Risk is price for perfection in an imperfect world. Stretch valuations in equities and credit, especially the riskier parts of the credit spectrum, do not have a lot of room for bad news, whether it's on the pandemic front, Omicron, the earnings front, Nordstrom, or the economic front, Powell turning more hawkish. We see this graphically in CNN's Fear and Greed Index. Now, full disclosure, we've not made it a habit to spend a lot of time on CNN's business page, but this index caught our eye. This is a real-time measure of investor sentiment. Seven indicators go in, equally weighted. Stock market momentum, strength, breadth, and volatility, as well as the put-call ratio. There is one measure of credit, the spread between yields on high yield versus investment grade, and one measure of demand for safety, in this case, the difference in returns on stocks versus treasuries. The scale runs from zero, where it's characterized as extreme fear, and 100, characterized as extreme greed. The most recent read on Thursday was 25, putting it squarely in the extreme fear area. What's noteworthy is that one week ago, it was 64 in the greed zone, and one month ago, it was 78 in the extreme greed zone. Needless to say, this fairly straightforward index is swinging wildly. Now, interestingly, the credit indicator, again, the yield between high yield and investment grade bonds, which is now down to 183 basis points at or near its structural low, is in the extreme greed area in a dramatic break with what's happening in the equity market, where all the markers, along with the safe haven demand indicator, are either in the fear or extreme fear zones. Another measure we keep track of, the St. Louis Fed's Financial Stress Index, has also bounced off a structural low to a six-month high, although it remains well below the level hit at the beginning of the pandemic. So taking the two indices together, we are less concerned that economic stability is at risk. That would show up in the St. Louis Fed's Financial Stress Index. Rather, valuations are stretched to levels where risk of a correction has risen significantly. Ordinarily, we worry about equity performance spilling over into credit, but in this instance, demand for credit and riskier credit remains clearly robust, even in the face of deteriorating equity sentiment. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, Omicron. Still unfolding, but the scientific and behavioral lines of defense against risk market deterioration are substantial. Two, Nordstrom's big earnings disappointment. This largely idiosyncratic story will take time to play out. And three, CNN's fear and greed index shows how equity sentiment is more vulnerable at this point than credits. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on kbra.com for our latest rating reports and research. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.